Welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast. In the second part of our two-part podcast with Bridget Flood and Janie Shoemaker and Johnny Boucher, we dive into the season of the spread of COVID-19, how it has truly placed a remarkable strain on our doctors and nurses. We will talk with Johnny, ask how we can come together as a community to ensure that we are understanding his motto, it's okay not to be okay, and how we can reach out to our fellow colleagues to ensure their mental as well as physical health are top priority. Now over to Bridget and Janie in our conclusion of how it's okay not to be okay with our special guest, Johnny Boucher. Janie, do you have any questions? I do. So Johnny, um, I would like to talk a little bit um, specific to our listening audience who are largely professionals uh, in the emergency spectrum. Yeah. So they work in a lot in the emergency department, flight nurses, trauma <laughs> nurses, and you know, and I think that as a as as a ER nurse, being an ER nurse myself in the past, you know, I know we get considerable training and guidance, um, and hopefully we're doing a good job recognizing people that may be in need of help. Um, and, and that's so very important because, you know, that, that visit that we have, that one encounter that we have with our patients could be the matter of life and death for them. But I'd like to talk a little bit, or have you talk a little bit rather, about any tips that you might have uh, for the healthcare team themselves. You know, there's a lot of articles that I read about physician suicide. Um, I know it also happens in nursing and, and, and in other very important roles that various healthcare team members play. Um, and so I'm just wondering uh, if you have any tips for how nurses and other important members of the healthcare team might, might um, talk with their colleagues or, or take better care of themselves. You know, we're caregivers, so we're, we're always focused on that patient or that family member or our own family members. It seems that we're taking care of everybody else and oftentimes our own mental health and care comes last. And so mm -hmm. I, think some, I think sometimes we can start to feel very, um, very, we can feel various things. And I think that does lead to people taking their lives in healthcare. And so how can we help ourselves and our colleagues? Would you have any tips around that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my partner, Caitlin, she's an occupational therapist. And we talk about this all the time. Um, as she has had to uh, be there for a lot of her colleagues um, during, you know, pre and, you know, during COVID times. Um, and so we, we had a discussion that led to a discussion that I had with our clinical oversight committee about the power of uh, structure. And one of the things that healthcare workers right now is they have more of a structure than most people in society right now. Um, that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing, right? Because they might have family and kids they got to deal with too, but they still need to go and, you know, be on the front line of, uh, of, of the healthcare industry. Um, so it's really important that within your routine, however it is that you do dial in daily time for yourself. And I know it sounds cheesy, but the power of taking 15 minutes, no phone in hand, maybe going for a walk outside, maybe just catching some fresh air in your backyard, on your patio, wherever you live, that is so crucial to your success. And I try to find time for me to do that in the morning as well as in the evening, which again, some days you know, you, you, you forget the shower. So, you know, there might be not 15 yeah. minutes for you to, to do, but 
it is important that we see these uh, opportunities throughout the day. So maybe if you go on shift, it's not just sitting there and, and going through the digital death scroll on Instagram. It's having a book, having a, having a good spot to go just breathe, maybe doing some meditation, you know, doing things that are within your, you know, reach that aren't going to add more weight to your daily bag and whatnot. I look at yoga, right? As a, as a big, bigger guy, you know, I never used to be able to put like touch my toes. I could put my hands all the way underneath my feet now. And I can do that wherever the hell I want to, because I'm just, I'm just dropping real quick. You know, I'm just aligning my spine. I'm I'm just feeling that little balance. And so when we talk about self-care, right, we got to talk about it in the sense of like, we all know what a soda bottle looks like. And we know what happens when the soda bottle gets shook up. And what happens if, you know, the soda bottle cap doesn't come off, right? What, what, what happens? It eventually comes off, right? Because it explodes, right? Right. So throughout our day, whether, wherever we are, whatever industry, we got to build our tools that help us take that cap off mm -hmm. and just ease it off a little bit. Because if we take it off all the way too quick, again, if there's so much pressure, we're going to spill over. And that's where we see people, unfortunately, get to a place where they might harm themselves or harm others if it's not talked about or, re uh, you, you know, really um, taken care of uh, as, as fast as you can. Um, and so for people who have very limited uh, schedules, I always, I'm a, I'm a big list believer. I'm a, I'm a believer in get, get up, make your bed. And if you're a coffee drinker like I am, make yourself a pour over or something, but interact with that. And don't do it with a phone in your hand because we are so quick to grab our phones. We use them for everything. Our alarm clocks, our dietary journals, our deepest, darkest secrets, you know, like we can have a, a positive relationship with our technology, but we don't, it doesn't need to be attached to us at all times. But I mean, being honest, you, you know, how, how quick did you both grab your phones this morning and maybe go on Facebook or what are your, whatever your, one of your social media networks, right? Oh, how yeah, quick about, is that? About five minutes after I woke up, to be honest. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and that's okay. That's the society we're, we're into. So I try to challenge people, take time for yourself. I try to give myself 45 minutes in the morning before I look at anything on my phone. And that might be hard because we might need to, you know, we might have to have a potty break. We might need to look something up to, to do something like maybe, you know, cook a meal or what have you. But I just challenge people like build that into your schedule and build it into your routines because that is for you. Because then once you get through your day and you've given it your all to everyone else, what are you going to do? You're going to come home and just Netflix and chill? Of course you can. But if you do that seven days a week, it's not healthy. If you're, if you're, if you're going home and cracking a bottle of wine every single night for seven days a week, that might not be the healthiest, you know, opportunity for you to take care of yourself mm -hmm. so i just challenge people to go what can, what is within my reach you know what what music are you listening to are you even listening to music on your way to work like how can you build yourself up throughout the day while then taking that cap off because it's chipping away at you and if you get to a place where you're you're pouring from an empty cup it can be dangerous for yourself because again healthcare workers right we're worrying about everyone else other than ourselves so mm -hmm. we're the last ones to probably eat you know, a healthy meal. We're probably the last ones to have a healthy routine because we're just trying to be there for our people. So it's important that, you know, instead of just relying on the fast food on the way home, that maybe you pack a meal and, or you get, you have a meal, you know, to cook when you get home. I love cooking when I get home because I can shut everything off and just cook. And yeah. as we know, all know, if you, the food, it's quite obvious. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's some really great advice. And I have to say, there's, 
been this joke ever since I've been in nursing, uh, particularly with, with nurses that work in the emergency department. You know, they pride themselves on that 12-hour bladder. They can go 12 hours without using the bathroom, and they've got that 12-hour bladder. And yeah, that's kind of funny, but, but really it's not. So we, I, I, think you're, <laughs> I think your message to us about taking time to relieve that pressure on the bottle is spot on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Johnny, I'd also be curious just to see, you know, this global pandemic has changed so much of our world and our, our daily routines. Um, some of us more than others, obviously, as you pointed out with our healthcare professionals, they probably do have more of a routine that didn't change so much for them as it did some of the rest of us. But thinking of your uh, vision and mission for Hope for the Day, what have you had to do differently or what's changed as far as how you're reaching people with your resources and messages? Yeah, so we've always had a strong digital presence uh, on social media, but we had built in a virtual education um, program that we were going to actually launch in September for Suicide Prevention Month this year. And when we were looking at 2020 in general, we were like, all right, we want to educate 20,000 people in 2020. And it was because in 2019, we educated over 14,000 people with our education. And that's awesome, like, you know, to know that. And so going into the year, we were very ambitious. We were like, all right, we got to have quotas. We got to hit 5,000 people every quarter. Real simple math. And January 1st to March 12th, we had educated 4,200 people face-to-face. Um, but the reason I bring up March 12th is because that was the last day that our staff traveled. Um, and then that following Sunday is when we shut down our coffee shop here in Chicago. Um, and so I immediately told everyone to work from home. <clears throat> and talking with my education um, department, I said, hey, we might need to turn this on very quick. And they said, all right, well, it's good to go. And we turned on our digital education uh, workshops on March 27th. And as of today uh we have educated over twenty six thousand people in 2020 so far wow wow so you you were in a good position and and it sounds like you know i remember the middle of march was when everything kind of fell apart and things started shutting down and so for you to be ready to roll with with even more good stuff by march 27th that's impressive very impressive so you didn't really yeah. miss it at all that's that's amazing we have a very dedicated team and um, the power of, of having, you know, many people be a part of that team. Um, it, it's just, it's how we get through it really. Yeah. Like we, we just don't know any other way when it comes yeah. to the work that we do at Hope for the Day. So it's been a, a mind boggling experience, but we've expanded our education and we're, we're offering it in multiple languages and we're working with a lot of our European partners right now that we would traditionally be doing outreach with them right now and getting people on the ground educated to be our educators in those communities. Uh, because that's the biggest thing, no matter where we come from, our background, financial structure, or not our status, like we are all human beings, right? And when we were going through school, we weren't told about the good days and bad days. We were taught about sex ed, drug education, and then, you know, your general core, and, and obviously then physical health. And lo and behold, we're still trying to get people to understand that our physical health is directly, you know, related to our mental health. They work together. And that is very important, especially for the healthcare industry to, to, to practice that same, you know, 
message too, because that's the world that everybody in healthcare is facing, right? Our physical health don't have the best experiences with their, uh, you know, their patients or, or um, you know, the clients that they're serving. Uh, and it's, and it's solely because they're also having to adjust to people be feeling completely disheveled from their, whatever the trauma ex- experience that they're, they've been going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, my car, my partner, Caitlin talks about it all the time where she'll maybe have a, uh, a gunshot wound victim come in who, um, was a star athlete and now has no, you know, is, is, isn't looking like they're going to be, you know, walking, um, anytime soon, but they can get there. It's with that determination, but they are unfortunately experiencing this in real time. So they, they don't always have the opportunity to really do the best job of understanding that, you know, the healthcare worker that's in front of them is there to support them, not against them. And that's, 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 uh, that's, that's rough. It doesn't make uh, getting up bright and early the next day as easy uh, as you would hope, right? So that's where, again, we're having the, uh, those outlets to go take that pain and that and, and that and, and maybe not take it just home, but take it to others uh, that are part of your field, right? To get that experience of how, how, this is how I felt. How did you feel? There's so much power in that conversation. Yeah, it's hard conversations, um, that are, are the ones that people have the most difficult time having, but after we have them, right, we feel good about it. It's like the sense of relief. And so uh, my heart goes out to the, 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 uh, all the healthcare workers, because it's, um, sometimes you, you, you don't want to help those, per- that person in front of you, even though they need your help so bad. Um, and, and maybe they have a family member who is there, um, you know, that is supposed to be supportive, that is, is being actually not supportive. And, and that's difficult too, because you're just trying to do your job. So it's, it's very important to understand that you do have those tools and that you do have the ability to, to, to not carry that with you, but to get rid of it and become more mindful and, and, and understanding on how you can be more successful, even though you did a damn good job it's how can you be more successful with those people? Because over time that becomes successful for you too, how you channel that and how you take that home. Uh, but it's, it's, it's so crucially important that uh, wherever you are in the healthcare sector, whether you're, you're just getting out of uh, school and getting your hands, you know, dirty to being, you know, 20, 30 year veteran of this community, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you're still a human being, you have good days and bad days. And if you're having a string of bad days and then you start having bad experiences with others, your bottle's going to get shook up more and more. And, and we understand that um, the healthcare industry has been impacted by suicide and mental health. And it's because of these very reasons, but we still only react to these things where we can be proactive and we don't have to have the hard conversations of, Oh, I would have never thought that, you know, so-and-so would have did to my life because they were always so good. They were, everyone loved them. Like they were great on the pediatric floor. It's like, that's great, but we missed something. And are we just going to sweep it under the rug and, and wait for, you, you know, another tragedy to happen for us to sweep it under the rug? Or are we going to learn and do something about this? Because if we're going to learn and do something about it, we can, but it, it requires us to lean in and have those conversations. And so why it's so important that what we do in the workplace um, and work with HR and work with leadership is because it needs to be a top-down mentality where people aren't going to believe it. They're going to be like, yeah, I don't know my CEO. And, oh, they, they, I, I can't relate where, we, we, if we take the time to have the conversations at the end of the day, we all can relate to one another one way or another, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
That's some really great things for us to all think about. So thank you for that. And Bridget, I think it's probably time for our favorite part of the whole podcast, right? It is. Um, Johnny, these are great conversations, great points, but we're going to go to rapid fire questions. It shouldn't feel like a test, um, but we just have a couple questions if you could just respond like yeah. it first comes to your mind. So the first one is, how did partnering with Demi Novato in Marshmallow happen? And by the way, I had to go listen um, to Marshmallow because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> That's was all good. Awesome. <laughs> my, uh, my, my mom did the same exact thing. Um, but, you know, our partnership with, with Demi Lovato and Marshmallow came very organically. We had been working um, in the music sector for a long time as an organization. Our partnership with Live Nation put us in front of a lot of uh, different people. And we had uh, originally reached out to Demi's management team, Scooter Braun, who also handles Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande, um, a couple of years ago. And we're like, hey, we, we should link. And we never heard anything. And then one day, someone tagged me in a post and was like, Scooter Braun said, it's okay not to be okay. And I was like, hmm, wonder what's up. And then about a month later, I got, a, I got an email from his team saying, hey, we'd love to talk to you about a song we're releasing. Uh, and we want to partner with Hope for the Day. So I get on the phone and I have no clue who we're talking about other than, all right, it's gotta be someone. And they're like, listen, so you and the organization that you started really have inspired um, one of our artists on Scooter Brown's team. And then we have Marshmallow's team on here too. And I was like, all right, Marshmallow, I know Marshmallow, who, who else are we working with? And then they said, Marshmallow and Demi Lovato wrote a song to together called Okay Not To Be Okay, inspired by the work that Hope For The Day does. And we want to talk about how we can release this with you all and make some impact together. And my jaw, I think, sl like slammed through my computer screen. And I was like, all right, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, we want to hear from you. What do you want to do? And I was like, oh, wow, this is real. Okay. And we had this opportunity to just be open and honest and talk about like experiences that, you know, we've seen in the past about how, you know, if we're going to do things the right way, instead of right away, we want to have resources, we want to have education, we want to have all these opportunities. Um, but, you know, we, the, the world is really our oyster. And um, so it came together very organically. And I, I pushed their team to release the song in September. And they're like, all right, how does September 10th work for you? And I was like, that's World Suicide Prevention. They're like, okay. And I was like, perfect, let's go. And And so it's just been this beautiful opportunity for us to engage with new audience, uh, new audience that, again, needed to hear the same conversation that uh, no matter where you are, uh, that you can, you can ask for help. Um, and, and it starts by understanding that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, and I love how it all fell into place without really trying. Um, what's the best moment you've had since starting Hope for the Day? Wow, I have no clue. Um, I, I'm sure. I have no clue. I, 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 I often, I, I try to remain very humble um, about the journey. And I remember the earlier days. I remember the first event that I ever put on uh, down at Olivet Nazarene University down in Bourbon A with a friend of mine. And uh, the first time someone told me about losing, you know, in a, in a very heartfelt way that they said, but you've helped me um, to speaking to 12,000 individuals at Wembley Arena in, last year um, 
there's so much, you know, there's so much. And I think that the, the moment that I will always look back on is the moment that I challenged myself to think about more than just myself and, and how I could do something different. And it's been a wild journey. I mean, you know, from being told by, you know, Barack Obama, I'm one of five in, individuals who inspired him in 2018 to doing a track with Demi Lovato to bringing our message to over 28 countries in this world and, and doing it all in a shoestring budget and just believing that by starting the conversation, we can have the conversation and, and having conversations with people internationally where language barriers were once an issue. And over time, I got, I learned how to say, you know, it's okay not to be okay in German. Um, so imagine being in a room of 2000 Germans and saying, is this okay, uh -huh. Nico, okay, Suzanne, Hophofen, Deutschland, and the whole place just erupts like it is like the biggest party there is. And it's because people are craving for this message in this understanding that we're all works in progress. So I really, it's hard for me to identify what is my most, right. I mean, I mean, one of those moments is right now with y'all. Um, because I think about it to, to understand that at one point in time, hopefully they didn't exist. It was a thought. It was a feeling. It was an emotion. It was an action. And to do it and to know that next year is our 10-year anniversary. And, you know, we employ over 20 people and we have thousands of supporters around the world. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's days that I'm just completely blown away by the power of just wanting to yeah. create and do something because that's what Steve Jobs asked us to do. Right. He said, you know, think differently. And the only way to get people to think differently is to do differently and look at, you know, you know, everyone has their flaws, but you know, the outcome is, is look at the impact that he was able to make and, and continues to make for technology and so many. And I just look at my life as an opportunity to help others and, when I take my final breath, my goal is that this organization continues uh, on and, and, and fights everything that is thrown at it because we need people and we need to talk about mental health more than ever. That's great, Johnny. And, you know, I don't think it's really fair that I ask you for your best moment because I know there's a lot of moments. Um, so good, though. When, when people ask me the same thing about music, I'm like, right now, like, or like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a freaking jukebox, folks. Like, I, 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 whatever your vibe is, I got you. All right. So, Johnny, if we tagging on to the to the question, sort of a sort of another piece to the question Bridget just asked. If if you think about your vision for your organization, what is that? So when you achieve that vision or, or as you think about what that vision looks like, what does that, what does that look like for you? What, what, it, what would it look like if you really, you know, a hundred percent achieve that vision you've got? Um, I, I, I mean, um, I think that it really comes down to the numbers, right? Being data driven, especially in mental health, we're, we're, we're fighting the uh, invisible killer. I think that it comes down to just knowing that we are, we keep growing and, and every single day we keep growing. We, we've been very good at tracking our efforts and seeing where some of our shortcomings uh, are. And we've over the years, we've gotten better at forecasting. Um, but I just, I close my eyes and, and I don't, I don't know what a hundred percent looks like. Cause I feel like we're only hitting 10% right now. And we got some, we got some big milestones. We have 
partnerships with you know entities around the world that we're working on right now that will just allow us to keep gaining more and more access but my goal is that you, you know down the road that we're able to provide education to anybody and everyone no matter what language and right now we're talking about uh, because we're in the coffee business as well, we, you know, all the coffee that we buy and, and provide for the shop and online um, all comes from these very, very honest, ethically sourced um, and responsibly sourced communities. And so we're talking to our partners right now in Papua New Guinea. I mean, there's 800 language, eight languages spoke in Papua New Guinea. So that's a, that's a, that, that is a definite um, hard one to, to, to figure out how to provide that. But we we've already broken through the chastity belt we are talking with people in papua new guinea about how we build these systems and i believe that we can have those conversations in every country that we want to it just requires people from the those those areas to want to be the voice for their people because i am a white privileged man who can only speak from my experience and, and i will never speak from anyone else's experience i will listen to them and i will work with them as and my team to provide for them and, and, and I live by that because we need to build more tables and chairs and, and keep inviting people to share their experience so we can then build real resources and, and support in their community that they can lean on on the days that, you know, hope the day might not be in the neighborhood or doing education for them, what have you, that, that them as a community, they can, they can thrive together. So I believe uh, in a world where uh, eventually we can all be talking about mental health and it's going to take a, a very big group effort but the other side of, the, uh, of that too is just you know over time seeing these horrible stats start to you know go downward is, is also proof of that, the, that it's working um and, and so i i just i i uh i don't know how to answer that question because I'm, I'm also stubborn and I want to make sure that I, I do the best job that I can because um, what the hell else am I going to do with, with my with all this uh, air in my lungs yeah well it sounds like you are um, tenacious and certainly um, I can I can tell you're going to keep going until you reach every possible person you can that's what I hear you saying so that's uh, that's pretty awesome now, my last question for you, Johnny, is tell us, uh, tell us quickly about your favorite book on leadership. We always ask people, or, or, or just a favorite book. It doesn't have to be on leadership, but what book is your go-to that you would recommend that, that kind of shaped you or it's a favorite? Oh, wow. Now this, this is a fun one. This is a real, that's a real fun one. Um, I... That's hard. I started building a library recently because I was like, I have so many great books. Um, but I think there's one book that um, I think that is, is really good um, by Tim Ferriss, Tribe of Mentors. Um, it's all about short life advice. And there's a, over 130 different people that Tim Ferriss interviews and asks the same questions to. And one of them is, how are you getting better at saying no to things and you have such a wide spectrum of uh people from different you know actors actors actresses to entrepreneurs to scientists to athletes and it's just so amazing because there are times where we get lost in the what ifs and we get in that doubt and so i i usually reach out to tribe of mentors um to to really really 
drive drive home a little bit of just a, oh you know like uh they, they they felt the same way too you know like interesting and <laughs> you, you know i don't i don't know this individual other than um you know by way of maybe like what they what they do in and in, in, in life and whatnot but i just feel that i can uh really relate to them um more and more but i i really i really do believe that that's one of the best one of the best books out there um but there's so there's so much i mean you can you can read a lot about obviously um you know andrew carnegie and 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 just you know there's so many books out there that i feel that are are necessary for people to read and it's kind of like uh i a reason i also lean further into uh books than podcasts is because a lot of people can podcast when we need to do a lot more listening. Um, and so I feel like we listen more when we read and, and I think that it's very valuable there, but yeah. there's uh, there's, there's many books out there um, that, you know, help people. And I, I just, again, I feel like it's, uh, it's what fits you the best. I, I am very open with the fact that I'm, I was never a good reader growing up. I was, I was not a good, I was not the best student. Um, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I definitely learned more, <clears throat> about um, the streets than I did, <laughs> um, yeah. you, you know, than uh, than just from life experience than I did out of a book. But um, but I do believe in the power of reading, and and, and that's also one of the many ways that um, I look to wind down every single day. Is I try to read at least fifteen minutes. Again, people need to realize that fifteen minutes is a powerful amount of time. You can take a little fifteen minute nap, even though it's not. That uh, that that Einstein with twenty five or twenty six minute nap, but like nap, you can go for a walk, you can read, you can take a moment for yourself. But there's so much out there that is there for you, and it's just what you do with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that, um, Johnny. I want to make sure before we wrap up here that our audience knows where they can follow you online or on socials. Can you tell us? Yeah. Absolutely. You can Google Hope for the Day, and you can find us on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find our website, which is just a huge asset for resources and free education opportunities. You can go there and support the organization as well. Um, so it's just hopefortheday.org or hftd.org, however you can. And if you're in drinking coffee like we are at Hope for the Day, uh, you know, Google Sip of Hope, and that's uh, our coffee line that we use as a social enterprise to help fund. Uh, as much free education as we possibly can, because I believe in allowing people to be able to learn and not have to pay for it, uh, because it's something we were supposed to do a long time ago in society. And over time, that's going to, um, you know, help us get to that place. So the more people can get educated, the more we can really drive the need for these tools to be integrated into uh, every community and, and industry possible, because we are human beings going through a thing called life. And the more we can talk about our mental health, the more we'll realize that we're not alone. Great. Well, thank you for that. So, um, wow, this has been such a great conversation. Um, so, Bridget, I'm going to turn it back over to you Thanks. for our closure. Thanks. You know, Jenny, I want to take this time to thank you um, for joining us at this episode of BCN and Friends. You're certainly leaving some great footprints. Um, so just a big thank you, Johnny. Um, it was a great conversation today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's it's not about me. It's about we. So I appreciate y'all because uh, together we can we can tell stigma how we really feel, right?
Absolutely. And to all of our listeners, we hope you'll stay tuned as we continue on with this series and bring you new and impactful content and perspectives. And if you have a suggestion for an episode topic or speaker, please, please email us at bcen at bcen.org. I'm Bridget Flood, here with Jane Shoemaker, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank you and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. And until next time, 